this morning, I want to help bring awareness to you of one of the ministries that we have here. It's the care ministry, and it's headed up by Pastor John Clements, who has a degree in counseling. And I want to introduce him to you as well. In the months to follow, you're going to be hearing different ministries that we're launching, not just to meet needs in our church, but outside the walls of the church as well. And so, listen to John. Well, hello and good morning. My name's John Clements, and I'm the care pastor here at LifePoint Church. In Matthew chapter 22, we see Jesus was approached by one of the Pharisees, and this guy happened to be a lawyer, wouldn't you know? And he approached Jesus, and he asked him, Jesus, what's the first and greatest commandment? And Jesus answered him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, and with all your mind. And then he said, in the second commandment I give you is this. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then Jesus says something that rocks the world. And he said this. Upon these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. So it's clear that Jesus wants us first to love the Lord our God, our Father, with all ourselves. And then he wants us to love our neighbors with, love, with all ourselves. Now, there are six different words in the Greek language that we translate for love. And each one of them are only a little bit different. The first one where Jesus used love, he's talking about a love that is to adore and to worship. The second time he uses the word love with love yourself, he means to care for, to take care of. So Jesus wants us to take care of others as we would take care of ourselves. So now it's obvious from just a short exegetical review of this passage, that Matthew develops the epistemology that Jesus has a presuppositional stance that for all love to work, that we must first love ourselves. Now, it's obvious that we all don't. But the first step in getting there is to love God first and then let him teach you to love everybody else. Hey, have a great week. Oh, and by the way, do me a favor. Stay awake during the sermon. It just breaks George's heart when you die. <laughs> well, that's our very own Pastor John Clements. And be looking in the bulletin and online of the different things that we're going to be launching this year and in, into next year. Well, last week we started a new series called Love Everybody and Always. And we're going through 1 Corinthians 13, verse by verse. And we took a look last week at just defining what love is. Today we're going to take a look at really the second phrase of love. The first one is love is patient. And I thought we'll just delay that just to build some patience into your life, okay? And, and take a look at the second phrase, which is love is kind. Now what is kindness? Will you write this down? It is love in action. Last week I made mention of the fact that love is not an emotion. It creates emotions, but it is not an emotion. It is an action. It is something that you do. It is a belief that you put in to your behavior. And the Bible teaches that love is kind. That, that kindness is love in action. And Jesus tells a story to illustrate 
this aspect of love. It is a very famous story called the Good Samaritan. In this story, you and I find three men. We'll call them crime scene investigators, right? A CSI scenario here. They are traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho on a road that is known for crime, of, of having thieves. And all three men encounter a crime scene. But all three of them react to it differently. And Jesus says these three men reflect three attitudes that people have towards others in their relational world. And the first one is this. Will you write this down? Keep my distance attitude. Take a look at Luke chapter 10 verse 30. There was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when robbers attacked him, stripped him, beat him up, and left him half dead. It so happened, will you circle that phrase? We're going to come back to that at the end of the message. It so happened that a priest was going down that road. But when he saw the man, he walked on by the other side. Will you circle that last phrase, other side? Folks, this is what I call the lifestyle of avoidance. I'm just going to keep my distance. Whatever you do, don't get close to other people because guess what? They might ask you to help. Whatever you do, keep your relationships superficial. Because if you get too close, you might get involved and you might get hurt. This guy is just walking by this person and he sees a crime. And he says to himself, I'm just going to keep my distance. In Collin County, it's easy for us to do that, isn't it? It's easy to chart our course where we never come into contact with hurting people. Let's enter into this story. I just want to keep my distance. The second attitude is this. Will you write this down? The curious but the uninvolved. Take a look at Luke chapter 10, verse 32. In the same way, a Levite also came there. Now, a Levite is not a gene salesman, okay? He is a temple assistant. And he says, it, it says, he went over, looked at the man, and then walked on by on the other side. Folks, this guy's worse. He walks over there and he sees this victim half dead. He stares at him and then he walks back over to the other side. Now, as I'm reading this story, I'm feeling pretty good about myself until I realize, you know what? I do the same thing. And so do you. Have you ever been on the freeway and there's been an accident and you just kind of rubbernecked it and just went right on by? This is the curious but the uninvolved. In fact, have you noticed that it is easier to gossip about someone having a problem, a hurt? a brokenness in their life than it is to get involved in them. You see, we love to look, we love to talk, we love to read about other people's problems, don't we? But we don't want to do anything about it. We're curious but uninvolved. We are aware but apathetic. The third attitude that we see is the response of the Good Samaritan. Will you write this down? He treats others how he would want to be treated. Take a look at verse 33. A Samaritan who was traveling that way came upon the man, and when he saw him, his heart was filled 
with pity. You see, if you want to grow in love where you love everybody and always, you've got to learn the lifestyle of kindness. And that is exactly what this good Samaritan does. We see four things that this good Samaritan did that you and I need to do if we're going to love everybody always in our relational world. And the first thing that this good Samaritan did that you and I need to do is simply this. We've got to start seeing the needs of people around us. You see, kindness always begins with the eyes. It always begins with your vision, the way you you are sensitive to the needs that are in your world. If you're not aware, guess what? You can't care. You can't care for the needs if you don't see the needs. You have to see the needs that are in your relational world. Take a look at this verse in verse 33. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. Will you circle the phrase, when he saw the man. If you want to learn how to be a lover of people, always, you've got to change the way you look at your world, and you've got to become more sensitive to the hurts, to the brokenness, to the woundedness that is there. There are wounded people all around you. In fact, take a look to your left and take a look to your right. You are looking at a wounded person. As I like to say, everybody's hurting somewhere. The the problem is, is that we don't see it. Now, why is that? One word. We're busy. You see, hurry is the death of kindness. Folks, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. If you're going to be a kinder person, you're going to have to slow down. The faster you move through life, the blurrier things get and the less needs that you see in your relational world. That is why I oftentimes tell my staff, walk slowly through the crowd. Let me illustrate this point with a story. Let's just say that you wanted to take a family vacation from Dallas to Washington, D.C. And you want to see everything between those two places. You've got four different, I don't know, transportation options. You could fly, and you will get there really quick, but you won't see a whole lot. You could take a train, and it's slower, and you would see more. Or you could take a car, which is slower still, and you would still see more. Or you could walk. And in one sense, you would see it all. The slower you go, the more you see. And so you walk slowly through the crowd. And as you walk slowly through the crowd, you do this. Take a look at this verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Look out for the good of others. Will you circle the phrase, look out? You see, if the first step is to move slowly through the crowd, then the next step that goes along with this is asking God to give you a spiritual radar of the needs that are in your relational world. To look out for people who are hurting physically, emotionally, vocationally, mentally, emotional. Now, I have to admit, some of you are really good at doing this, okay? 
You just have this spiritual radar where you read body language, you just have this intuition about you, and you see the hurts that are going on there. On the other hand, the rest of you are like me. Goal-oriented. Task-oriented. And so it's easy to not be sensitive to the needs that are around you. But if you care, you're going to be aware. And so you got to start talking to God. And you got to say this to God. God, slow me down. Help me to walk through the crowd slowly. And as I do, God, make me aware of the needs that are there. My wife, who is a great nurse, once said this, that the essence of great nursing is the ability to anticipate pain. And I thought, you know what? That is, in essence, that is the essence of kindness. It is the ability to anticipate pain and hurt, and brokenness, and woundedness, and then to do something about it. So I want you to rate yourself. Give yourself a one if you need work in this area. Give yourself a five if you just got a spiritual radar and you are able to detect it. And as you rate yourself on these different areas, here's what I want you to keep in mind. How would other people rate you? How would your spouse rate you on your sensitivity to their needs? How would your kids, how would your coworkers? You see, if you put on the left side of your paper all the people that are in your relational world, could you, by their name, write the number one thing that they're most concerned about right now? You see, I really wonder I really wonder how many blanks there would be by people that we work with, that we go to school with, that we rub shoulders with on the soccer fields, that are in our spiritual family, that are crumbling right in front of us. How many times have we heard of some incident on the TV and that they're interviewing the neighbor and the neighbor says, well, I never knew. Kindness starts with sensitivity. We need to start seeing, and we've got to stop ignoring. Take a look at what Paul says about this in Galatians 6, 8. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, harvests a crop of weeds. All they have to show for this life is weed. Folks, it's not easy to see the needs if you're on the other side of the road. Kindness starts with your eyes. The second thing that this great Samaritan did, this good Samaritan did that you and I need to do is that we need to sympathize with people's pain. It's not enough just to see their need. You must feel their emotions. You must sympathize with their pain. Take a look at this verse. When, the, when he saw him, his heart was filled with pity. Well, you circled the word pity. First, his eyes kick in. Then his heart kicks in. He is filled with pity. Now, the Bible tells us in Romans 12 that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. To, to enter into a celebrative spirit with someone who is prospering. 
We, we at times struggle with that because we think, you know what, <laughs> why not me? Why isn't God blessing me this way? We will talk about that because love is not envious. But it, Paul also goes on and he says to not just rejoice with those who rejoice, but weep with those who weep. In other words, share their sorrow. Share the way they feel. Now, my question is this. How do you do that? How do you become a more sympathetic person? Well, if sensitivity starts with the eyes, then sympathy starts with the ears. It is learning to listen. The better listener you are, the more sympathetic you become. Kindness is just listening to people. And I can say this pretty authoritatively. People are dying to be listened to. Just look at the chat rooms that are online. I went on and looked, and man, there are just literally thousands of chat rooms where you can just talk to different people. I don't know where I got this, but I, I want to read this. When I ask you to listen to me and you start giving me advice and you've not done what I've asked, when I ask you to listen to me and you begin to tell me why I shouldn't feel that way, you trample on my feelings. When I ask you to listen to me and you begin to feel you have to do something to solve my problems, you failed me. As strange as it seems, just listen, please. Just listen to me. Advice is cheap. 20 cents will get you both Dear Abby and Billy Graham in the same newspaper, and I can do that for myself. I'm not helpless. I may be discouraged. I may be faltering, but I'm not helpless. So please, just listen to me and hear what I have to say. And if you want to talk, wait a minute for your turn, and I'll listen to you. You see, sometimes kindness is not giving advice or trying to solve a problem. It's nothing more than just listening to a person. We have a ministry that is built around that. It's called the Stevens Ministry. Will you throw the, our graduating class up there? And if you're in the Stephen Ministry, will you please stand? Because I want to give you a round of applause of helping the hurting and the hopeless in our church, okay? Thank you guys very, very much. Awesome. There's our graduating class. I don't know how many there are, but there's quite a few of them. Uh, you see John Clements there and myself. Um, well, we, didn't, we need help in that area, so I'm glad they're here, okay? But it, you, can be, you can be seated. Kindness isn't advice giving. And it's not problem solving, folks. It's just listening. As a person who is task oriented and a person who likes to help people in their problems, I've had to learn to do this. I ran across this. It's called A View from the, from the Hearse by Joe Bailey. Let me read this. It's on grief. I was sitting torn by grief and somebody came along and talked to me about God's dealings of why it happened, of hope beyond the grave. He talked constantly. He said things I knew were true, but I was unmoved, except to wish that he would go away. And he finally did. Then another one came and sat beside me. 
He didn't talk at all. He didn't ask me any leading questions. He just sat beside me for an hour or more, listened when I had something, uh, listened when I had something, answered briefly, prayed simply, and left. I was moved. I was comforted. I hated to see him go. Sympathy involves the ears. Listening is a form of kindness. When you and I sympathize with others, what happens is that it meets two needs that people have. The need to be understood and the need for their feelings to be validated. That they might know that they're not crazy, that they're not weird, that what they are feeling is normal. And God says, I want you to enter in to their hurt. And I want you to sympathize with them. Take a look at this verse in Galatians 6 2. Share each other's troubles and problems. And in this way, <clears throat> obey the law of Christ. Paul is saying that when you and I share other people's hurts through listening to them, that we are obeying the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Loving God and loving other people. Let me ask you this. Do you like people to listen to you when you're hurting? Of course you do. The Bible says, guess what? We need to do that with other people. Have you ever had a problem in your life and scratched your head at, at, at times or, or about it and thought, why in the world is this happening? Well, let me tell you why at a 40,000 foot level. God allows problems to come into your life to help you sympathize with others who are going through similar things so that you can learn not to say stupid things like, that's a dumb way to feel. That's stupid. Why don't you get your act together, okay? No, God brings people into our lives to teach us how to listen because that's what we would want if we were hurting. Take a look at this verse right here. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 5. God, God wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials so that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, he, we can pass on to them this same help and comfort that God has given us. You see, every problem that you go through is an opportunity to pass on what God has taught you. And so rate yourself. Give yourself a one if you're just an advice giver, a problem solver. Give yourself a five if you listen. The third thing that this good Samaritan did that you and I need to do is that we need to seize the moment. You and I need to seize the moment. When a need presents itself, you don't wait, you don't delay, you don't procrastinate. You do what you can in the moment to meet that need. This is what the Good Samaritan did. Take a look at Luke uh, 10, 34. Kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged it. What's he doing here? He's taking action. It's like I said earlier, love isn't just words. It's something that you do. He doesn't come up to this guy and say, sorry. Sucks being you right now. <laughs> and walks off. No. He did something. And notice what he did. First, he stoops down 
In other words, he gets on this guy's level. He gets eye to eye with him. Folks, that is very, very important when it comes to kindness. Secondly, he uses what he's got. One translation says that he used wine as an antiseptic and and oil as a soothing agent. And then he bandages him. And remember, this guy isn't a doctor. He's not carrying around a little black case filled full of band-aids, right? So what is he doing? He's taking, he, he's taking what he has, a shirt, and he's ripping it, and he's wrapping this poor victim up in it. The point being that he did what he could with what he had at that particular moment. He says, I'm going to take care of this guy in this particular moment with what I've got. And I'm going to do it now. Take a look at this verse out of Proverbs 3. Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. Will you circle the words never? Like I said earlier, our world is filled with hurting people. I call them the walking wounded. And they may not be wounded physically, but they are wounded emotionally, mentally, uh, spiritually, financially, vocationally, across the board. And you know what? They need your love. They need your kindness. And they need it now. When someone loses a loved one, you don't wait until they get over the grieving process to give them a call. When someone has a miscarriage, you don't wait until they get pregnant again to tell them how sorry you were about it. When someone gets laid off, you don't wait until they find a job to come and say, hey, I'm really sorry. No, you seize the moment and you show spontaneous kindness. You see, if you really want to love everybody always, you got to be willing to do what this good Samaritan did. And if you read this story, he did two things that you and I need to do if we're going to love everybody Always. And the first one is this. We must be willing to be interrupted. You see, kindness doesn't happen on a schedule, does it? Have you noticed that to love often is inconvenient? Sometimes it just blows your whole schedule, right? Love is often inconvenient. And yet, think of the excuses that this good Samaritan could have given. I've got my work to do. I've got to get going to work. Uh, uh, what about my family? I mean, I've got to take care of their needs first. Uh, what about my own personal life? Folks, there are all kinds of excuses that this good Samaritan could have given. There's all kinds of excuses that you and I can give. But notice, at the top of your outline, that second phrase that I didn't speak to, that says, it so happened. It makes it sound, doesn't it? That it is circumstantial. It just so happened. Folks, I've been a follower of Jesus Christ for 43 years, and I can tell you this. Nothing happens by accident. I call them God moments. God things, where God's fingerprints are all over it. God often brings people into our lives just at the right time. Unplanned by us, no doubt about it. But perfectly planned by God. Some of you met your spouse that way. It was a God-designed 
encounter. Did you know that God intentionally does the same thing with needy and hurting people? He puts them in our path. And he puts them there so that you can minister to their hurts and their needs and learn about kindness. And guess what? That's going to happen today. Some of you can't wait to get out of here to beat the Baptists and the Presbyterians to the cafeteria or to the Lazy Dog's new restaurant that is on Preston Road, okay? But be aware of this, that when you walk into that restaurant, there is a wait staff that needs a kind word. When you get ready to leave here, oh, I got to get gas, get ready for Monday and heading downtown on the parking lot of the toll road, okay? There is that gas station attendant. As you walk in to buy that candy bar, which you shouldn't buy that candy bar, but you're going to go in there and get that candy bar now that I've suggested that, okay? Who's going to need a pat on the back. Or as you pull in your driveway, you're going to see your neighbor who didn't go to church, but you did, doing something and it's going to need some help. God's going to give you an opportunity to express kindness. The question is this, will you seize it? Or will you just blow it off? Will you take advantage of it, or will you make excuses? If you haven't signed up for our text messaging, I can't encourage you enough to do that. I got mine during the middle of the day. For a person who is task-oriented, goal-oriented, working on 2019 right now, man, I needed that so badly. So if you want us to give us, if you want to give us your telephone number, we will text you a text message about love right smack in the middle of your day. So as to remind you that God has placed people in your life. The second thing that this guy does, this good Samaritan does, is that he takes a risk. You see, many times the first thing that keeps us from being kind towards others is our own fear. Fear makes us unkind. I've been involved in ministry almost 40 years, and I have learned this, that the most cruel people are oftentimes the most fearful and can you imagine the fear that this good Samaritan must have had? He's coming up on this guy, and he could, he, he's, he could be fearing. He says, what if the robbers are still there? Or what if this is a trap? This guy is a thief, and I get ready to help him, and bam, he's got me. Or what if this guy recognizes he is sick, but he recognizes that I'm a Samaritan, a half-breed, half-Jew and half-Gentile, and he rejects me. I'll feel stupid. Or what if I seek to help this guy and other people are looking on and they blame me and I get hauled off to jail? Or what if I can't help him? What if I don't have, I don't know, the, the wherewithal, I don't say the right words. Man, I am going to feel so inadequate. Folks, there's all kinds of fears that go through you and I when we see an opportunity to learn kindness. But I really think that the biggest one the biggest fear is this, what if that hurt, that brokenness, that pain reminds me of my own pain? Hey, if I just ignore it, then I can pretend that I don't have any hurts or wounds or brokenness in my life. You see, maybe, just maybe, the reason that you and I don't deal with a spouse who's walked out on somebody is because we don't want to deal with our pain of our spouse walking out on us. 
Or maybe the reason that we don't deal with that person who's lost a, a loved one is because we just don't want to be reminded of the loss of our loved one. You see, the truth is, it's fear that makes us unkind. And yet, God says, I want you to deal with them as you would want to be dealt with. This is the golden rule. Matthew 7, 12. Always treat others as you would like them to treat you. That is our memory verse for this week. Last week, it was 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Let love be your greatest aim. That, that, that's an easy one, right? This week, it's the golden rule, okay? Treat other people the way you would want to be treated. Matthew 7, 12, the golden rule. So rate yourself. Give yourself a one if it takes you months to respond to a hurt, brokenness, woundedness in, some other, in, in other people's lives. Give yourself a five if you do it quickly. The fourth thing that this good Samaritan does that you and I need to do is that we need to spend whatever it takes. You see a need, you sympathize with the pain, you seize the moment, and then you spend whatever it takes. The reality is that there is always a cost to showing kindness. Inevitably, it will cost you your time, your talent, and yes, even your treasure. You know what it costs me? My privacy. A virtue can go nowhere in this city and not run into someone who knows me and would like to sit down and just share with me about their life. It costs. It always costs. And it costs this good Samaritan. Take a look at this one. Then the man, that is the good Samaritan, put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver. Folks, that is two months' worth of wages. And he told him, that is the innkeeper, to take care of the man. If his bill runs higher than that, he said, I'll pay the difference the next time I'm here. This good Samaritan did all that he could with what he had for a total stranger. The very first thing that he does is he gives him first aid. The second thing that he does is he takes him to a motel. He puts him on his own donkey, which means that he had to walk. He checks him in. He nurses him. He pays the bill. He tells the, the motel keeper, he says, hey, I'm paying two months in advance. If it goes beyond that, just put it on my MasterCard, okay? This guy did whatever he could to help. And what did he get back from, from it? Nothing. He didn't get a dime back. And that is true love, isn't it? You see, true kindness is when you do something for someone else and there's no way they could ever pay you back. Now, why would anybody do something like that? That's just crazy. Well, let me give you several reasons. One is simply this, that when you show an act of kindness, it's like an act of worship before God. It honors him. You're loving God, and you're loving that, and God through loving others. Secondly, 
It makes you more attractive. Guys, there is a verse in Proverbs 19, 23. It says, kindness makes a man attractive. There's hope for your looks. You can look like Brad Pitt, okay? Or Matt McConaughey or whatever. Ladies, you can, I won't go down that road. Third, God blesses kindness. Take a look at Isaiah 50, verse 8. If you feed the hungry and take care of the needs of those who are troubled, then your light will shine in the dark, and the Lord will always lead you, and he'll satisfy your needs in, an, in dry land, and you'll be like a spring that never runs dry. You see, God says this. If you will make it your priority to meet other people's needs, to add value to them, to enter in to their hurt, their woundedness, their brokenness, the need that they have, God comes along and he says, guess what? You will never run out of resources. I guarantee it. When God sees you as a channel and not a dam, he will bless your socks off of you. I want you to pray for us. We've never done this before at LifePoint, but we're applying for a $1 million grant at Toyota, and it's due tomorrow by midnight. So we want you to pray. We've never done this before. It's a long shot, but you know what? I couldn't think of a better organization, Collin County Cares, sponsoring Outrun Homelessness, that has chosen to give to other organizations at our expense. God blesses. But the biggest reason that you and I should do this is because God has shown you kindness. And he's never expected anything in return. And he's done that through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus saw your pain. And he sympathized with it by entering into human history. And he sees the moment at the right time God entered into human history, lived a perfect life, and at the right time, he paid the ultimate cost. And he offers a gift of grace. And he gives you the freedom to reject it. It doesn't cost you a dime, but you can choose to accept it or choose not to. It's your choice. That is the biggest reason that you and I should be kind towards others. Let's pray. Lord, I really thank you today. This is a great day. What an awesome privilege that we have of seeing the next generation be raised up that are going out into the world and carrying the hope of the gospel to people who have no hope, that don't know about Jesus. God, we thank you that you're a God who's entered into our life, maybe through a mom or a dad, maybe through a friend, maybe through a pastor, to help us see and understand the kindness that you've expressed to us through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we're indebted to you. You have loved us in the greatest possible way and met the biggest need that we have, and that is the need of forgiveness. I don't know where you're at this morning.
But if you haven't said yes to Jesus Christ, will you do that? Will you drop him from your head to your heart and allow the kindness of God to bathe your soul, to bring healing and health and wholeness into your mind and heart? That you can become the person that God wants you to be. That you can take whatever hurt that you've experienced in life and turn around and help someone else because you've seen God enter into your heart and into your life and changed you. If you would choose to do that, would you just say, God, I admit I've blown it, but I believe that you love me and that you have loved me in the greatest possible way. Right now, I'm dropping my head. I'm dropping you from my head to my heart. Come in, bring healing, health, and wholeness, God. And if you will let me know this on your communication card, would you just write the le- would you just check the appropriate box in the back on, on the back of the card? Say I'm committing my life to Christ for the very first time, and I'll mail you some literature that'll help you understand what you've just done. So God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace towards our life. Help us, God, to be lovers of people. In your son's precious name we pray, amen.